Hello, and welcome to SUPEX Radio. I'm your host, Bob Fitz. SUPEX Radio is a weekly talk show devoted to startup and early-stage entrepreneurship, venture investing, and small businesses in general. For more information, including past broadcasts, future episodes, and our radio network affiliates, please visit our website, www.sup-x.org. And please remember to follow us on Twitter, at the SUPEX. That's at T-H-E-S-U-P-X. Today's episode is sponsored by Silverstream Consulting, a full-service marketing and PR consultancy specializing in guiding startups and professional service firms to marketing success through innovative and strategic approaches to branding, positioning, PR, and more. With more than 15 years of experience and a roster of stellar clients, Silverstream delivers business-focused results at a fraction of the investment of a full-time executive hire. Please visit www.silverstreamconsulting.net to learn more. I'd like to say that today's show is focused on helping startups, early-stage companies, and small businesses understand the elements of a proper finance and accounting infrastructure. And our guest, Lil Slappy, the founder, CEO, and managing director of In Perspective, an Orlando, Florida-based CFO outsourced services firm with clients nationwide. Russell, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks for having me on, Bob. Good to hear from you. Good to have you. So, We'll talk about a variety of stuff that would be very helpful to our startup audience today. But before we kind of go into that, can you give the audience just a little bit of information about In Perspective? Sure, sure. We started, I founded In Perspective out of Orlando about 16 years ago. And we started with, of course, myself and one or two partners, and we grew it to about five, six CFO partners here in Orlando. And about six years in, we decided we'd start a Tampa uh, location and office. And we built that up uh, now to about six, seven partners there in Tampa. And we are now also in South Florida as well. Um, we have two CFO partners and a business development officer in South Florida. So at this point, we're kind of a, the larger outsourced CFO firm in the state. We have about 15 partners and business development officers on board. We've been around 16 years. Um, we have a, a myriad of clients kind of spattered across those locations as well as we have clients we get to refer to out of state from our referral partners and friends in state. So we have a handful of clients uh, all over the country as well. Okay, so it's not just Florida. You do this all over the country. Yes, uh, we've actually got a client out of Singapore, of all places. They were an investment uh, group, a family, if you will, that was uh, looking at you know buying out fisheries along the west coast of uh, the United States. So we've, got, we've gotten clients as far west as California and Singapore overseas and, you know, as far north as we've had a college in Tennessee we've worked with, a small college, clients in Texas, all over, manufacturing outfits, et cetera. So we'll come back in a little while, Russell, to, you know, some of the specific things that you do. But um, what I'd really like to do, use today's show uh, to do is to help the startups and the, and the audience understand, you know, how to do things correctly in the finance and accounting function. And, uh, uh, companies in our audience are at different stages of development, as you can imagine. Sure. And uh, this question's perhaps a bit elementary, but we'll build from here. Barry, basically, can you explain what's the difference between a bookkeeper, a controller, and a CFO? And when will a company most likely need each of those? I understand. Look, I have my own small business, and uh, you are talking to the bookkeeper. Uh, <laughs> and so, you know... I think most people understand what it is, but other than it being a function of what your budget is, 
when do you kind of know to, what's sure. the true difference and when do you kind of know uh, beyond your your bank account that it's time to add functionality? Sure, sure. And, and, and let's go kind of over kind of what I would call the light definition, simple definition of the difference between a, a bookkeeper controller and CFO. And then we'll back into kind of when they're needed because it depends on the size of the organization, the growth curve, et cetera, typically. I mean, a bookkeeper, just like you said, a lot of business owners start doing their own books in the beginning. They might move to a, a part-time or outsourced bookkeeper slash accounting manager. A lot of times they're called as well where they're basically putting in the daily receipts and, and payments to vendors and recording deposits, et cetera, reconciling the bank account and doing the simplistic part of the accounting, but keeping all the data and transactions in the system. Uh, as the company continues to grow through its life cycle, it'll get to the point where no longer can a one-person bookkeeper keep up with the volume of transactions. And then you'll start to need an AP clerk, accounts payable clerk, uh, accounts receivable uh, clerk to handle the customer to receipts coming in and you start to build an infrastructure if you will and it's at that point where you start needing a controller you know and a lot of times I'll, I'll just throw out a number five to seven million you'll see where the need for a controller starts coming into most organizations and a lot of that has to do with the the accounting infrastructure is built with a kind of tiered process where you have accounts payable clerks accounts receivable clerks somebody doing the mail um applying payments, et cetera. And so a controller comes in when they need to be the overseer, if you will, of that team, as well as the individual that starts getting into the more complicated accounting transactions, booking journal entries, certain balance sheet reconciliations of deferred revenue when it's related to software, et cetera. But the controller's job, for the most part, is kind of backward-looking, historical accounting, making sure everything's in the system, everything's recorded properly, Etc. Doing analytical analysis, uh, key performance indicators, trend analysis. Then you'll get to the point where a CFO comes in. Now, I'll go back in a minute to talk about when a CFO can come on board. CFO is more strategic financial management, looking ahead, what capital and financing resource needs do we have coming up, building a performa of what the business looks like on a go forward basis, cash flow forecasting. A lot of times the cash flow forecast is done by the controller, but the CFO is the one that's overseeing it and looking at the needs coming in the future. So it's more strategic forward looking as the CFO comes on board. Now, kind of going back to when you need each one, typically, like you said, you're the owner, you're the bookkeeper, right? In the beginning of the life cycle. With a lot of these startup organizations, they might have a need for a part-time CFO, which is one of the services we offer, right out of the gate. You know, if they're out raising money, uh, talking to investors, a lot of times we're brought in to help them develop performas, set up their chart of accounts with their bookkeeper, business plans, developing those, representing investors at meetings, negotiating the deal, if you will, making sure they're prepared for the due diligence of the investors. So the CFO can take a role from the outside in early stage companies if they have certain needs all the way through the process, and that's kind of the service we offer where it can be a part-time role, not a full-time position for a CFO with a salary need of 150 plus benefits. So I think the uh, understanding of when it's time for the owner to quit doing the bookkeeping is pretty obvious because uh, yeah. uh, he runs out of bandwidth. Sure. So at the next stage, you know, you, you obviously have process, uh, 
payments to process and receivables to process as well, and you bring in this controller type. Uh, and But there's also the modeling side of the business, not the accounting side. And that's what I think of when I think of a true CFO versus purely an accountant. Um, right. Um, you know, tracking and keeping books and debits and credits, et cetera, is one thing. But someone who understands the information value of accounting and the ability to model the business for investors is a completely different skill set. Um, and we also help with that with the startup mode. That's what I was saying. The performance is really the modeling, the business modeling. A lot of times you have a business plan with startups when they're going to go you know, make a presentation to investors. But in that business plan is the business model slash performa, if you will. And a lot of times that's kind of our our job to help develop what the picture of the model is going to look like from a financial standpoint and looking forward the changes that are going to occur as the business hits certain levels of, uh, of business and transactions, if you will. So when a startup is, you know, they've, they've brought somebody in from the outside, uh, and, and tell me if you've seen this, because I have. Um, oftentimes I'll see a startup uh, bring in someone that I think is probably from a skill or expertise level, a controller, but the startup usually doesn't have the financial wherewithal unless they're more of an early stage company to really afford what I would think in terms of skills would really be a CFO. And so they give the title to a controller. Do you see this a lot yourself? We see it all the time. We actually see it in larger organizations and startup organizations. You got to remember most of the owners or CEOs of companies, they're typically sales and marketing and operational, operationally oriented individuals, not accounting and finance. Right. So that's kind of the, the biggest hangup we see. A lot of times we're brought in organizations where they have a CFO, but then we we start to do our assessment, if you will, and determine that individual doesn't have the skill sets to be a CFO, and then we got to work on repositioning the org chart, if you will, of the accounting department. That is a common uh, misnomer, if you will. The titles in accounting is one of the biggest struggles that we always face when we're going into an organization to rebuild the accounting infrastructure and organization. Uh, many individuals, they call themselves a CFO, a smaller organization, but they don't have the experience of what a lot of my partners have gone through through several large organizations as a real CFO. So it's just understanding what a CFO does, to your point, the strategic financial management, the, the modeling, the forecasting, the you know looking at the future, the capital and financing resources needing, asset preservation, risk management. Those are the jobs of the CFO that – you know, that should be their full-time job. And a lot of startup organizations can't afford somebody at that level. And and they, quite frankly, don't have that many issues out of the gate, if you will. It's very, uh, you know, we have one issue here and one issue there. It's not an everyday issue like a larger corporation that's doing acquisitions every month, for instance. So that's the difference. And you can get a part piece of the CFO, it's just a matter of how you structure the, the engagement. And I think, tell me if you agree with me, so this is just my impression and, and I guess the lesson for the the CEOs or the COOs or the uh, board chairs that are in the audience uh, thinking about 
you know, how to scale their early stage company is, is that it's understandable how the title is given to people in order to round out the overall experience of being in that position when cash compensation is probably not going to be adequate and shares are given, but you know, how much is allocated to the person in that, you know, quote unquote CFO role, you know, who knows what that might be. And so the sword cuts both ways on giving out that CFO title. Yes, it can make the overall position more attractive. But, you know, at some point, you're probably going to need somebody, either a third party vendor like you to come in and kind of look over their shoulders, or eventually you're going to outgrow that. And it's going to be tough because you've capped that function with, there is no higher, you know, finance function than CFO. So you're not going to hire above them. So I guess this is one of the things that, you know, founders and the CEOs of early stage companies need to be aware of that things are on the fly when you're in a startup and you got to do what you got to do. And it's tough to think long-term, but would you agree that you need to be a little more uh, prudent about how you throw titles out because, you know, 18, 12 months, 18 months down the road, you may have boxed yourself into a situation that you had, you known better, maybe you shouldn't have, maybe you should have just had a controller and left it at that. Well, and, and more to the point, maybe you should have just called it uh, manager of accounting, accounting manager, VP of accounting, which is kind of an open, you know, title. Uh, I would beg, you know, accounting manager, but yeah, you're right. We see this problem in every size organization, small to large, where we have to come in, do an assessment of the staff that's on board in the accounting department and rework those titles a lot of times. And that's not just in smaller organizations, unfortunately, it's in larger too. So it, it cuts both ways, that sword, so to speak, and it's not good for morale when you have to come in and rework the titles within an infrastructure. So it is a common problem on all size businesses. And it sounds like it's, I'm, you know, I hope the audience sees the point here, and that is it sounds like a minor issue, but it can be a bigger issue 12, 18 months down the road. Um, so, Russell, when a company like yours is asked to come in, and we're really focused on startups and early stage companies, so, you know, say sub $5 million in revenues or small businesses, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see these companies make when you come in? What are kind of some of the typical messes you sometimes have to clean up? Anyone who's been involved in a startup recognizes that the focus is really on revenue growth. And so expense tracking, expense management, written policies and procedures and stuff like that, you know, it's probably not going to happen. But what do you see? Well, sure. And actually, you hit on one of the biggest ones that I always see, which is not not proper accounting for their startup costs. A lot of uh, owners who are in startup mode, they're not collecting all their accounting data and transactions properly and they're kind of giving away the future tax benefit of that because because those those costs, of course, are write-offs, you know, under the IRS regs, either in the form of amortization or direct expenses, depending on you know some further conversation we're probably going to have in a minute here. But but that's probably the biggest one is is tracking and accounting for their costs as they're being incurred and making sure they're collecting all that data. And a lot of that's just, uh, you know, educating them on everything that's deductible and needs to be in accounting and setting up a process to collect that data and making sure they're capturing their meals that are for business, their, their mileage, their travel costs, et cetera. I mean, that's probably the large, one of the larger ones. Secondly, you know, the tax structure that they develop as a startup. Is it a S-corp? Is it an LLC? Is it a partnership? Is it a C-corp? 
understanding if they're going to go out to raise capital, that that can make a difference because most seed and angel investors in the startup world don't want a flow-through entity, if you will. So they don't like partnerships and S-Corps because they end up with a tax hit if there's an income flowing through with no cash to pay for the taxes. So most of the time in a, in a startup mode or capital raising, the, the investors want a C-Corp structure or um, basically a C-Corp structure. So then you got issues like software development costs. A lot of the startup companies don't understand internally the rules for accounting for internally developed software, whether it should be capitalized, should R&D costs be expense, when you're supposed to capitalize those costs. And, and that relates as well to when you can take the tax deductions for those types of write-offs. So it's And part of that in the software development role in the world, if you will, is tracking your time. Are you doing maintenance, you know, at the time on the software you developed? Or are you doing development? You get to capitalize development pre-getting it ready to take the market. So, and, and just understanding all those nuances of how to do the accounting for software development can be challenging for a startup. And, and there's a couple other issues that are important. Cash flow forecasting in the startup mode. Most of the startups, and, and not to mention some of the larger companies go in, don't have a good, well-developed cash flow forecast tool. Helping them understand when they're going to run out of cash based on their burn rate, uh, their software development company, you know, when do they need to go back out to the market to raise more capital, et cetera. And also helping them with their cap table. You know, how are they going to raise capital? How much are they going to give away for the first round, for the A round, for the B round? What are they going to do if they ever have to bring in private equity? And the structure and the amount of, of equity they're going to give away at each level is very important to understand so they don't get themselves in a position that could hurt them in the future. So, Russell, what's the difference between, you know, I'm, I'm a, let's say I'm a startup and, you know, I've got limited resources and may, perhaps even limited activity, and I certainly don't have the budget for a CFO, so I'll have a manager of accounting as you have advised me. But what's the what's the difference between bringing you in and how we work with one another versus, you know, going to a traditional, you know, CPA accounting firm, whether it's a local CPA firm or the or the regional office of a larger a super regional player, et cetera. Because what I want the startups to understand is what options are out there other than just full time employment. You know, how would how do they use organizations like yours for the betterment of their organization? You know, and they keep their fixed cost of, you know, of having someone on staff, you know, a certain level, but they can come in. How, how, do you, how does that work and how does it work differently than just contracting with a CPA firm? That actually goes to the point of why I started in Perspective CFO. I actually owned an accounting firm years ago, Bob. Oh, okay. And part of the issue was I felt like I couldn't go internal with my clients and really help them with their deeper issues because I was a CPA firm and I had to abide by certain certain regulations of the accounting board. And so with an account, as a CPA, you're only limited to doing certain engagements. You can do write-up services for a client, which is just merely the bookkeeping role. You can, you can do ad hoc, and then you have compilations, reviews, and audits, which is the final ones in the test service, compilation, a lower service gives simple, here's your books regurgitated back to you, but we don't, we're not attesting as to whether anything's right. The problem with a CPA firm is they get in a quandary when they don't have specified engagement duties. 
And so they're always looking for an engagement letter that covers them for insurance purposes because that's how the, the business works. They're, they have a hard time when they enter into the CFO space because now you're giving the client strategic financial management advice that could either help or harm their business. And there's no way to adequately protect yourself insurance-wise with their services, and that's where the CPA firms get very risk-averse when they start entering into our services. And so you have to really get involved with the organization, the client, understanding their business. You've got to be able to help them look forward when you're doing those pro formas and the cash flow forecasting. You've got to become part of the management team. Even if it's on a part-time role, you have to really become a partner with that client and understand their business and be one of the team, the management team members. So it's a different service in its nature when you really look deep down into what we're doing. And so, Russell, again, I'm a startup. I, I realize that I've, I've, I've hired based on my current model and budget, but I probably need some third-party expertise. And I've, now I understand, thanks to you, that why CPA firm might not be the best. So when I go to a firm such as yours how would how do engagements work i mean like are your hourly rates as much as they are for cpa firms do you do project work how, how can i leverage a company like yours with you know and i'm not paying some partner 500 dollars an hour but i'm still leveraging your expertise and i might need you you know to help me do the modeling like you just said or put together my pitch book and, and work with me on you know incorporating the numbers accurately in my forecasting my cash forecasting which my investors are going to want to see i'm going to need more than you just looking at my books and records. I'm going to need you as a financial thinker. How does our engagement work? Right. And, and I'll back up a little bit. One unique difference between, and this goes to the, the rate structure between us and a CPA firm. And one of the reasons I stopped building the CPA firm, CPA firm models a brick and brick and mortar model. They have so many people in the building, in the rent structure, if you will, preparing tax returns, doing write-up services, et cetera. And the partner level individual at the CPA firm is stuck in that building, if you will, because he has to review all that work being done in order to afford the overhead that's associated with that business model. So he can't afford to go out of the office and meet with clients like we can. We have no fancy offices. We have no secretaries. And in by doing that, we've reversed, inverted the business model where basically we're virtual CFOs. We have a lot lower overhead structure allowing us to keep our rate at a reasonable rate for partners with a lot of experience. So we can come in at a hourly model or even a, a fixed rate weekly or fixed rate monthly model where you know the rates are reasonable, similar to a CPA firm on an hourly at the you know subpar partner you know type rates. I mean it, our rates right now in the marketplace are anywhere from 175 to 250 an hour. And I think that we don't even approach some of the higher level rates unless we're doing specific business uh, bankruptcy consulting, for instance, is especially SEC consulting is especially they might have different rates. But I think we come in at a very reasonable price for an organization. And, and also, you got to remember, we're, you're dealing with very senior financial experts. When we go into an organization, we pretty much have been there, done that. We don't need the ramp up time that another individual might need. And do you we, do, you do also like project-based work instead of everything on an hourly model? Because, I mean, as you know, I'm sure, having been in the CPA firm and I know from running businesses, most people hate that model. <laughs> yeah. we Well, backing up, we, we do three things. I meant to say this in the beginning when you asked about our services. 
there's the part-time CFO work we do, the interim CFO work we do, and the project work we do. The part-time CFO model is kind of our forte, our, our main service. We can be a day a month CFO, a day a week CFO, or even two days a week CFO. And, and of course, we spatter those hours. You know, if it's eight hours, we can spatter across the month, or if it's 32 hours, we can, you know, mix it across the month. When you get into interim CFO services, that's a lot of times when a CFO, cancer, you know, an illness issue, maternity leave issues, a death, uh, CFO left without giving notice. Those are our interim services. Private equity groups hire us when they're doing an acquisition and they're on a hunt for a CFO. We come down, come in and hold down the fort, and that can be, you know, 60, 80 hours a week. Those services are typically on a block rate basis. But then you have the project work we do. When we say project work, we're usually doing project work for much bigger organizations where maybe they did a software implementation and they kind of botched it and we're having to go help the controllers of, say, I had a client, an insurance client, a large insurance agency. They did a great planes implementation. They had five subsidiaries. So I had to work with the five controllers to help them get everything cleaned up from the software implementation that didn't go over so well, making sure all the balance sheet reconciliations were clean, everything was firing off right in the system, all the setups had been reworked in the you know software implementation. So that's kind of what we call project work as an example. Another one would be Another piece of project work we do is due diligence for M&A transactions. You know, that's a one-time type thing where investment bank hires us, uh, organization needs help, they need more manpower to get through a due diligence process, as is another example. Russell, I have so many, many more questions to ask you. I might have to have you back for another show, but we've pretty much, <laughs> run, we've pretty much run out of our lot. But, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask you was about QuickBooks scalable, or are there more elegant solutions that people should be aware of? But unfortunately, we don't have time for the whole answer, so we'll hold that. So, Russell, um, I think it's been helpful for people to understand that there's uh, other models than full-time hires and that there are outsourced services firms such as yours that people can bring in on a part-time or interim or project basis, as you ex- explained. Out of curiosity, how do people find in perspective? What's your website? www npcfo.com pretty simple or you can just type in in perspective without without the i on the front as most people would think off the top of their head okay so it's the letter n and then the word perspective.com or npcfo.com yes. and and then can they call the switchboard and ask for you sure they're on our website is all three of our location numbers in orlando tampa and south florida well, again, we've been uh, visiting today with the founder, CEO, and managing partner of uh, Orlando-based CFO outsource services firm in perspective, Russell Slappy. Russell, you've been a great guest. I appreciate your time. I'm sure our audience learned a lot. and love to have you back and hope to see you around as usual sometime soon. Yes, and thanks for having me, Bob. Glad to be a part of it. Thank thanks. you so much, Russell. Take care. Anytime. Thanks.